Welcome to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch this and all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and be sure to subscribe while you're there. For sermon notes, click the link in the description. Today, our founding and senior pastor, Dr. David Anderson, concludes a sermon series entitled Revival. Today's message is called New Wine. So sit back, relax, and enjoy today's sermon. I'm so excited that we're bringing this three-week series to a culmination. It's a series called Revival. We preached about living water, fresh wind, and today we're going to talk about new wine. Get yourself prepared and come back to this series time and time again because you are going to need it all throughout the year. Speaking about all throughout the year, our online services will continue at the current time, 8, 10, and whenever you can find it on demand. But the in-person services at Bridgeway Community Church are changing as of next week. And so let me give you the new times in case you are in the Maryland area. At 8 a.m., we're going to have a broadcast service. It's a service where it's for the masses throughout the world, and we are allowing you to be a part of the studio audience. The focus is on the cameras so we can hit you in your homes and on your cell phone. But if you want to come and be a part of the studio audience, feel free starting next week in Columbia, Maryland. But the in-person service where we are ministering to the crowd in front of us as we preach God's word and worship together in community all happens at 9.45 a.m. So there is no more a noon service in Columbia, Maryland at Bridgeway Community Church. Tell all your friends. If they come at noon next week, well, praise the Lord. They can pray on the steps of the church. We won't be there. Now, 8 a.m., 9.45 a.m., in Columbia. At the Owens Mills Reistertown campus, it used to be 10.30. No more. Starting next week, it will be, are you ready? 11.30. You got another hour to sleep. So starting next week, 11.30 at OMR, or as we call it, the the Owens Mills Reistertown campus. One other or two other announcements I want to give you before I pray and get into God's word, and that is Next week, we're going to have our State of the Church Address. I'm going to tell you how we've been doing since we kicked off the new theme, Mature and Mighty in Christ, and uh, how much more we have to go in the second part of the year. And so I hope you'll be here next week for another vision message, not a traditional uh, Bible message. Speaking of traditional Bible messages, one of the uh, great teachers in our church, Pastor Dan Taylor, Uh, has made his announcement that he's going to be retiring as of the end of this ministry year in June. Dan has faithfully served at our church for over 25 years, and Dan and Lori are great friends, the Taylors of the Andersons, and I'm so grateful that he moved out uh, to help start the early movements of our church with regard to small groups. Now, before you get too sad, you need to know that Dan and Lori are not going anywhere. Moving from Pastor Dan to Partner Dan, they're going to be right here. They're going to be a part of the church. And in fact, uh, Dan is investing in uh, schooling to get his license to be a therapist and a counselor. So he's going to be going into counseling, and he's going to be providing counseling for those of us at Bridgeway Community Church. Many of you have been counseled by Pastor Dan, but now guess what? 
you're going to have to pay for it. All right, free counseling, it's over. Tell your friends, okay? And so Pastor Dan's going to be here. He'll be partner Dan, and he'll also be counselor Dan, and he's getting all of his credentials over the next year, but he'll be with us through the end of the ministry year. So Pastor Dan, thank you for your service. I'm going to say a prayer now for the message and for the tailors. Would you bow with me? Lord, thank you so much that you have allowed us to be able to sit up under the teaching of Pastor Dan. Thank you for Lori and for Stephen and for Rachel, and we thank you for their role and their lives in ministry at this church. Would you continue to bless them as they go into their new season? And we just thank you so much, God, uh, for what he means to all of us. We love him, and we thank you for his ministry. May it continue on in just a different fashion. Now, as we go into this word, God, I pray that this word would go into us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when these men walked with the Lord, they would often catalog and write about their experiences. So Matthew, Mark, and Luke might write something. John may write something. You get different perspectives. All four of the gospel writers talk about wine, but in, in different ways. One talks about wine at a wedding. In John chapter 2, John talks about wine, where Jesus turns water into wine. The other three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, tell us a parable of new wine in old wineskins, which I'm going to talk about in the latter part of my sermon. But I want to look at both of these scenarios regarding wine and then try to tie it all together at the end. But John tells a story about Jesus changing water into wine at what? A wedding party, a wedding reception. Let's go ahead and read that story. John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. I read. On the third day, a wedding took place at Canaan in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Dear woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Verse 7, Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water, here it is, that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best until now. In other words, this is good stuff. Verse 11, this, the first of his miraculous signs, Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee. He thus revealed his glory and his disciples put their faith in him. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading 
of his word. What a story. Jesus and his disciples are at a wedding party and the wine runs out. I want to give you three observations from the water and the wine miracle. Three observations. Here's the first one. Notice who mama gave the problem to. Notice who mama gave the problem to. Mama Mary could have given it to to anyone, but who did she give the problem to? Jesus. Mama gave Jesus the problem to fix and trusted him with it. I mean, do you ever think that she ever imagined how Jesus would handle the situation? Remember, this was his first miracle, so no one had ever seen him do a miracle before. You think Mary was like, Jesus is going to create some new wine out of some water. He's going to do a miracle. No. Mary just knew that Jesus was a responsible son and that he could handle the situation. As his first miraculous sign, Mary would not have even known that he could do such a cool thing. But I'm here to tell someone today, give your problem to Jesus. Don't worry about how he's going to fix it. She knew who to give the problem to. You don't want to tell Jesus how to fix it. You just got to know that he can fix it, that he will fix it. You see, somebody has a problem today. You've run out of wine. You know, in the scripture, one of the things that wine can represent is joy. Maybe you've lost your joy. Give your problem to Jesus. Just like the wine was all out, maybe you're all out. Maybe you're all empty. Maybe you feel expended, wasted, like you have nothing left. Your joy is gone. Give your problem to Jesus. Sometimes we want to give our problem to everyone else. But notice that Mama Mary gave her problem to Jesus because if there's a problem, she knows that he can fix it. And there are some things that are just too big for everyone else to fix. There are some things that are just too big for you to even handle yourself. Sometimes you try to make and take matters into your own hands. But there are some things that even you cannot fix on your own. When I was writing the message, I remember an old gospel song that the ladies of the church, we had a little house church, would, would sing. And they didn't have all the musical instruments like we have uh, today, but they had something that some of you would know about, others of you wouldn't. And that is something called a double clap. Right? And then they would just start singing, this problem that I had, I could not seem to solve. I tried and I tried, Lord, but I kept getting deeper involved. I gave it over to Jesus, and I stopped worrying about it. I gave it over to the Lord, and he worked it out. You like that? That problem that I have, double clap, I could not seem to solve. I tried and I tried, Lord, but I kept getting deeper involved. I gave it over to Jesus, and I stopped worrying about it. I gave it over to the Lord, and he worked it out. I gave it over to the Lord, and he worked it out. Sing it with me right here. I gave it over to the Lord, and he worked it out. Wow. 
Mary gave it over to the Lord. And guess what he did? He worked it out. And you give your problem over to the Lord, guess what? He's going to work it out. He can work a miracle. He can do something you never even imagined. Some of us get so focused on how Jesus is going to do something, what we want him to do. We start praying to him about how to fix the problem instead of asking him to fix the problem. I'm just going to give it over to you, Lord. That's the first observation. Notice who Mama gave the problem to. Here's a second observation. Notice what Mama said to the servants. We got the who, but check out the what. What did Mama say? Well, Mama Mary gave it over to Jesus, and then she tells the servants, check this out. <clears throat> Do whatever he tells you. <laughs> I just think that's amazing. Yes. Do whatever he tells you. Maybe you're in your, in your living room right now. You got some people around you. Just look at them and say, do whatever he tells you. Maybe you got a chat feature right there, right in there, whatever, whatever. Right, do whatever he tells you. Or write whatever, EVA. I don't care how you write it, whatever, whatever, whatever. She says, Jesus, here's the problem. Servants, whatever he tells you, do it. Sometimes we want to do what other people tell us, and Jesus is trying to tell us to do something. We don't like what he said, and so we go to everybody else to find an answer. Some of you still have problems because you won't, here it is, do whatever he tells you to do. Some of us don't have an issue giving the problem over to Jesus, but when he tells us what to do, that's our problem. Our problem is not the problem. Our problem is that Jesus told us what to do, and we don't want to do it. <laughs> Has anyone ever come to you and told you their problem, and they're seeking advice, and then you tell them exactly what to do, but they don't do it? Has that ever happened to you? It's frustrating, right? And then what do they do? They want to keep complaining about this situation, but they don't want to do what you told them they needed to do in order to solve the problem. And so after a while, you're just so frustrated, you're like, you know what, just do whatever you want to do. I wonder if the Lord just said, just do whatever you want to do. Do it your way. But when you're ready to give me your problem and then do what I tell you to do about your problem, then we can talk. For some of you, your problem is that Jesus told you what to do about your problem. And you just don't like it. <laughs> Have you ever been there? Your problem is that Jesus told you what to do about your problem, but you don't like it. I've been there. I got a problem, Lord. David, do this. I still got a problem, Lord. <laughs> I don't want to do that. See, our problem is not always our problem. It's that Jesus gives us the answer to the problem, tells us what to do, and now it's an obedience issue. I'm not expecting an amen, but if you want to write one in the chat, if you know what I'm talking about, go ahead. But I said there are three observations. We saw the who, we saw the what. Now let's look at the how. Notice how Jesus handled the problem. You see, what Jesus did, this is quite interesting. He performed a multi-layered miracle. You see, there are multiple layers to the fulfillment of this miracle that, that came to pass. First of all, there were available vessels, six big water jars that people would wash their hands in. Secondly, 
There were human beings who were a part of it. The servants, he tells them to go fill the water jars. This is our work. This is something we can do. When Jesus is doing a miracle, oftentimes it has multiple levels to it. And here he's using physical things like a vessel and human beings. And it's then after those two things are brought into operation, the vessels and then the people, that he performs a subtle miracle where he changes the water to wine. See, this is his work. Our work is to do what he said. Our work is to use what he said use. His work is to transform it so it actually makes a difference. You see, sometimes we want God to do everything for us instead of, listen, and cooperating with the multiple layers of God's miraculous movements in our lives. We want God to be genie in a bottle. Like I dream a genie, you know, you just fold your arms and and blink your eyes and it happens. And oftentimes we pray for miracles that way. God, do a miracle. Do a miracle, God. God, heal me. But we won't go to the doctor. God, protect me. But we won't take a free and available vaccine. We pray, God, Provide for me. But we are too lazy to update our resume and actually go out and do work because maybe we've gotten away without having to do it because of government checks or just because we've been able to lean on other family members or whatever. And so instead of doing the work that's necessary, we just say, God, provide for me. We say, God, bless me with the spouse. But we won't leave the house. At least Ruth went out into the field where she caught the eye of Boaz. We say, God, use me, but we aren't willing to sign up and serve at the church. We say, God, bless my finances and bless my business, but we're too stingy to give God a 10% tithe and an offering on top of that. But we all want to be blessed. But what do we do? We complain and complain and complain about not having enough. And all we got to do is ask the question, but have you been obedient to give God a tithe? I told you the problem ain't always the problem. The problem sometimes is the answer to the problem what Jesus tells you to do. Do whatever he says to do. We don't do it, and then we complain. And we go through the same issues we've been going through for years. If we could just go back to, what did Jesus say? Next time somebody comes with a problem, what did Jesus tell you to do about it? We say, God, grow me up spiritually. But we're not even willing to wake up 30 minutes early to meet with God, to read the scriptures or to get on our knees and pray. You see, God works with the natural jars and jars of clay human beings, to usher in the supernatural. He didn't have to involve any of that in the miracle. He could have just turned water into wine in some venue, and it would have happened. But he wanted to utilize the natural to meet the supernatural. Can I give you a prophetic word? You know, God's God's timing is perfect. And he wants you to know that according to John 2.10, that he is also saving the best for last. You see, when you do what God has asked you to do, use the available vessels, go fill the water. He does the subtle miracle, changes the water into wine, and then the master of the banquet tastes it and says, oh my goodness. Most people, choice wine first, cheaper wine second, but guess what? You have saved the best for last. I'm here to tell somebody that 
God has been saving the best for last. Your, 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 your next venture is going to be your best venture. The latter part of your life is going to be even more potent than the, the former part of your life. I'm not talking the chronology. I'm not talking the quantity. I'm talking about the potency. I'm talking about the propensity. I'm talking about the intensity. I'm talking about the precision. I'm talking about the vitality. I'm talking about the vibrancy. I'm talking about the trajectory. God can do more in a couple last years of your life than all of your life before. When God decides that he's going to turn water into wine, he can make it taste better in the end than before. We think that our life is all, all you know, choice wine, and then we get to the latter years of our life and there's nothing left. And God is saying, no, but you don't know how I work. I can take all the years of your life and build up to a point where I bring a subtle miracle, and now you may not be running as fast, but you're running further than you've ever gone before. Someone I'm talking to, your potency, your vitality, even the precision of your trajectory. God's going to do more in the latter days than in the former days. Now, this passage is an amazing passage to read, and we could just spend the rest of our time here. But I want to now move to this other passage about wine, because remember, all four talk about wine. One talks about it at a wedding. We just learned that. The other three tell us about the analogy Jesus, is, Jesus uses about new wine and old wineskins. It's the same event, but you get to see it from three different perspectives. It's in Matthew chapter 9, verses 14 through 17, which we heard read earlier, and I'm going to move back to that one. You can cross-reference at another time in Mark chapter 2 and in Luke chapter 5. But let's address this story, and then I'll try to tie them all together. Now, it's in this context that's quite interesting because we think it's about wine, but it's actually about fasting. Quite interesting, uh, they were uh, John's disciples and the Pharisees would fast according to the religious law, but they were concerned because Jesus' new disciples did not fast. And so what Jesus does is he says, how can the guest of the bridegroom, meaning the, the groom, mourn while he is with them? The time will come when the groom will be taken from them and they will fast. In other words, I'm the groom, and while I'm here, they don't need to fast because fasting can also be um, uh, likened to mourning. And so when you're mourning and grieving loss, you fast. But because Jesus is here, there's no reason for them to mourn. And so he brilliantly foreshadows of the time when he's going to be gone. And while he's gone... Uh, that's when you fast. And so Jesus is still gone, in a sense. And when he comes back as the groom, he will bring uh, the, the church, his bride, and him together. And there will be a, a wedding in the future. So there's still another wedding to come. But during this time period, we are supposed to fast. So that's the point Jesus is making. But then he decides, let me give two illustrations to help underscore the point. One's about sowing and one's about wine. In verse 16, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, for the patch will pull away from the garment, making the tear worse. So he gives a sewing example. And then in verse 17 of Matthew chapter 9, neither do, here's what I want to focus on, neither do people pour new wine 
into old wine skins. If they do, the skins will burst, the wine will run out, and the wine skins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wine skins, and both are preserved. So here John's disciples are trying to figure out what Jesus is saying, and they boldly inquire of Jesus about his disciples, and Jesus wants to give them this, this, this illustration of both the sowing, taking something that is old and patching something that's new, it's going to tear the material, and also with wine, if you have new wine, you put it in old wineskins, it's going to burst, and so you need new wineskins for that, for that wine, and and as Jesus gives these analogies, the point Jesus is trying to make, remember we're talking about fasting, Jesus' point is this, the old religious systems cannot contain the new kingdom dynamics. The old religious systems cannot contain the new kingdom dynamics. As Jesus is ushering in a new kingdom and new kingdom dynamics, the old traditions and the religious laws, old wineskins, will not be able to handle its contents, new wine. In other words, you're going to need new containers for new contents. New wine needs new wine skins. And putting new wine into old containers, the old containers of religiosity will cause it to burst and you're going to ruin both the old container and the new contents. And I believe that the new wine is the Holy Spirit and that the new container is the church. And so when Jesus comes, he's got to have a new container to handle the new wine, the Holy Spirit. And God has to create a new container for the Spirit of God to move in. Old religion cannot hold the Spirit of God. In fact, no religion can contain the Spirit of God. Religion is made by man. But a relationship with God is about the Holy Spirit moving in our lives through the Spirit of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit has never dwelt in the old religious system never dwelt in the Old Testament upon the people. He would come upon people. He would anoint people. He might even fill them for a time, but he never dwelt there. But what God wants to do is to create a new container called the church. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, he will dwell in a new container called the church. The Spirit of God would come upon people in the Old Testament, but leave again. But in the New Testament, with the new kingdom dynamics to work, there would be a new container called the church, you and me, human beings, the temple of God's spirit where he dwells, and he would seal us until the day of redemption. And when you seal that wine and you let it sit and wait and wait and wait, when it finally is open, it tastes amazing. I think the reason why some churches are struggling and even Christianity as a whole is because we're trying to put new wine into old wineskins. We're trying to force the new movements of God's church and God's spirit into old theological containers, religious traditions, cultural practices, and they're no longer working nor do they have the ability to contain the contents of God's Spirit. And the reason why many churches 
are leaving, and many Christians are leaving the church of Jesus Christ, it's because it's actually not the church of Jesus Christ. It's an old religious system that has slapped Jesus' name on it. It's an organized religious system of hierarchical legalism, chauvinism, racism, misogyny, and exclusivity that cannot contain the new movements of the Holy Spirit. And the new wine of the Spirit is trying to produce new joy and new life. And it's producing and pouring out women in leadership like never before. Look at Acts chapter 2. It's pouring out the Spirit of God in movements that have never been seen before. But the old religious system can't handle that. The old theological system can't handle that. They can't handle women in leadership. There are new movements of God's wine that could not be handled. So Jesus had to come, the Spirit had to come, and they were praying in the upper room, and then the Spirit of God was released upon the people, and the new container called the church was finally born, where God's Spirit would live in the people, dwell in the people, and do whatever he wanted to do, in whatever way the fresh wind of the Spirit would move, God's people would move. The fresh winds of God's Spirit are blowing blowing in inclusivity, blowing in equality, right at the feet of Jesus. It's breaking down denominations. It's shattering dividing walls of ethnicity. And it's even shattering the limitations of geography. God is doing a new thing through technology. You better see it. God is doing a new thing, and when God is doing a new thing, the living waters of true worship are springing up wellsprings of love and righteousness and justice in new ways, and the old containers of religiosity simply cannot contain the contents of the new wine. Hmm. Let me see if I can tie it all together. You see, in the wedding story, we have these empty jars. In the fasting story, we have these old wineskins. You see, in one, Jesus is bringing new contents into old containers, the water jars. In the other story, Jesus is saying that the old containers cannot hold the new contents. So we actually need new containers. Old jars, leave them, bring in new contents. Old wineskins, leave them, bring in new wine, but you need new containers. The beautiful thing is that Jesus is always doing a new thing, and you get the new contents in both. At the wedding, Jesus did not change the containers. He changed the content in the old containers. But with the new wine, the old containers couldn't handle the new wine. Can I get a, give another prophetic word? I believe that Jesus is going to do something new in your old container. If you think about the water jars, some of us want to change the container. God's saying, no, 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 no. I want you to keep your container. Let me do something new in it. He's going to change that which is mundane like water, and he's going to transform it into something tasteful and joyous like wine. Some of you are so empty, and you're going to 
try to throw out the old container. And God is like, no, I want to use the old container, and I'm going to fill it to the brim with something new. God is saying to some of you, keep the container. Let God change the contents. Some of you will hear the message and be like, yeah, that's an old wineskin. I'm getting rid of it. Maybe God's not saying that's an old wineskin. Maybe he's saying it's an old container. I just need to change the contents. Keep the container of your marriage. Don't throw it away. Keep the container of your business. Keep the container of your ministry. You're asking God for a new container when he's trying to give you new contents. He's trying to fill your old container with new wine. I don't know who I'm speaking to right now, but if it's you, you better receive this. Who am I preaching to? Don't throw away the marriage. Give it to Jesus. Don't throw away the job. Give it to Jesus. Don't throw away the relationship with your parents, your children, your family members. Give them to Jesus. Let God take the empty jars of your life and change the contents. But then you have the fasting story, don't you? Where Jesus makes, Jesus makes it clear that there needed to be new wineskins. Listen, for some of you, let's just say it, especially in religion. Respect the old, but behold, he says, I am doing a new thing. Learn from the old. But behold, I am making all things new. Bless the old wineskins. But behold, I am making all things new. Appreciate the old. But behold, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Maybe I can give a prophetic word to someone. For some of you, you have been trying to force the new dynamics of your life into old wineskins. You're trying to force your dynamic of faith into an old paradigm of religion. And God is, God is saying that the old paradigm is too constricting to hold the new contents. God is saying to someone that you have to be willing to move to a new container. The old wineskins of your religious traditions cannot feed your spirit anymore. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. See, God's trying to upgrade you to a new and improved spirit of faith where the contents of the Holy Spirit can move freely in your heart, in your home, and in the house of the Lord. So you have these old jars and you have these new wineskins. What am I saying to you? I don't know who I'm talking to in each of those scenarios, but I do know this. Discernment is needed. You see, Discernment is needed to be able to know if God is calling you to new wineskins or to revitalize and refill the old jars of life. Which one is it? As a practical matter, ask God in prayer every time, God, is this an old jar issue or is this a new wineskin issue? And you need discernment. Because in one case, he's like, this is an old jar issue, new contents are coming. In another case, he's like, this is a new wineskin issue. Either way, you get new wine, praise the Lord. But you've got to ask God for discernment here. Because sometimes he wants you to, to, to keep the vessels and trust them for a change of contents. Other times, the contents are too great for the old vessel in the old wineskin. 
Now, as I bring uh, this to a close, let me just give you a word of encouragement because whatever way you've been receiving this message, I realize that some of you, because of the stage of life that you're in or something that you're going through now, that you might be experiencing the crushing. If you feel like you are being crushed or, or attacked by the enemy, please understand that you will come out of this crushing. You see, grapes have to be crushed in order to produce wine. And someone needs hope right now because they're feeling really crushed. You need to know that the crushing is leading to the pressing out of something new in you, something beautiful in you, something fruitful, something tasteful. God is producing something that can only be accomplished through the crushing. But when you come out of this, you will not be defeated. As you abide in him as the vine, he will produce in you new wine. Let me also say that Jesus was crushed. And what was pressed out was his blood. He was crushed for our sins, bruised for our iniquities. And when he was crushed, blood came out. You see, wine not only represents joy, but wine also represents Jesus' blood. That's why in communion, we take the bread and the wine. The bread represents the body of Christ broken for us, but the wine represents the blood of Christ shed for us. And the new wineskins, the new wineskins are the church of Jesus Christ. And when he was crushed, the blood was poured out on his church. And so that wine is not only the Holy Spirit, but that wine is Jesus and his blood. And when the blood of Christ is poured in your life, on your life, when you receive the blood of Jesus, you receive the forgiveness of Jesus. And that blood cleanses you and washes you of all of your sins. And we are the new containers of the Holy Spirit. We are the new containers of the blood of Christ. The church is not the building. The church is not the edifice. It's the people. It's you and it's me. And the new wine is just where the Holy Spirit wants to move inside of you. And the blood of Christ is poured out on you and in you. And Jesus says that there is another banquet to come. And that banquet, according to Matthew 22, was extended to a guest list of people who decided they were too busy to go to the banquet. So Jesus tells the servants, go out to the street corners. You can read it, Matthew 22, 9. Go out to the street corners and invite anyone who would want to come. And then he says in verse 14, many were invited, but few were chosen. Jesus sent his son and he sends servants like you and me to a world that needs him. And while other people have decided they're too busy and they don't want to be on the wedding list, Jesus says, I've now opened up the gospel to the entire world. And anybody who wants to come to the banquet can come to the banquet. And then when the groom comes, he's going to come for his people. And when we get to the eternal state, 
there's going to be another wedding banquet, and that's when he's going to open up the wine again because he said when he left he would not take up the wine again until we come together, and that's when he's going to open up the new wine, and we're going to drink of his joy, his blood, and the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. Receive that word, all three words the last three weeks. And after each sermon, there was a prayer to seal that word and prophetic declarations. I'm going to invite two ladies up, one from our Elders Council of Women, Maria Suwundi. And she's going to pray that God would take this word and seal it into your hearts and minds. And then behind her, the prophetic declaration will be given to us by really a strong prophetess woman of God. And uh, that woman is going to speak to us, Shinova Ritchie. So now let's go into prayer with Councilwoman Maria. Thank you, Pastor, for the word. Thank you so much. Let's bow down and come to the Father. Abba, Father, we come before you in the name of the Lord, your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we can come to the throne of grace because of the blood that was shed. Lord Jesus, so we can be called the righteousness of God in Christ. Lord Jesus, we just thank you. We give you honor, Lord. We give you honor today, Lord. All honor belongs to you, Lord Jesus. You deserve our praise. Lord Jesus, you see us. You see us where we are. To the deep, deepest point of innermost being, Lord. We thank you for your word that you reminded today, Lord, that you have called us. You have called us to be on your banquet, Lord. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness, Lord, that we have all this time just slip by, ignoring you. We just bundle up with all that we are facing with our things that just get up all wrapped up or maybe when we discourage we just stay where we are Lord right now Lord Jesus we want to lift up our, our head onto you Lord we want to position ourselves to receive that the new wine is being poured out for us we are positioning ourselves, Lord Jesus. We are opening our heart. Lord, let that wineskin, that new container, Lord Jesus, being ready, Lord. Being ready to be filled with your wine, with what you have for us, Lord. Your, your way and what you have is better than what what we're thinking, what we're always thinking, Lord Jesus. Lord, we want to trust you even at this moment, Lord Jesus. We are resetting all the situation, Lord. We want to just pause and open our heart, Lord Jesus. Being received, that Holy Spirit is going to fill our heart. 
and you just restore everything and you're making us the grand crew the grand crew that is that is reflected in us Lord Lord we thank you that you are in us and I am in yours in Jesus mighty name Lord I want to release that Holy Spirit ministry of the Holy Spirit being released right now to whoever is ready to receive. He is the center of your life. He is going to be the first thing that you need more than anything else. In Jesus' mighty name, Lord, you are what we need more than the bread of our lung. In Jesus' name, Lord, I make room for you. Fill our heart, Lord. Overflow, Lord Jesus, within us. Let us be the carrier of your glory. Let us move, Lord Jesus, with wherever your spirit moves us. In Jesus' mighty name, you hear us, Lord. And we thank you that you're doing it for us. You're doing it for our church. You're doing it, Lord, for the body of Christ, Lord that you will make the perfect bride, Lord Jesus. You prepare the perfect bride, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, I thank you. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. What a word. Thank you, Pastor Anderson, for that amazing word. And thank you, Sister Maria, for praying. It is time we declare the decrees of the Lord. All glory to God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I will give the first three, then I will give three directly to our pastor, and then I will give the last three. I decree and declare that God is pouring new wine, new power into the New Bridgeway Community Church. I proclaim that the mature and mighty believers of Bridgeway shall go where God wants us to go and do whatever he tells us to do. I decree and declare that no matter what problems come our way like Mama Mary did, Bridgeway will always take our burdens to our Lord Jesus and leave them there. For he is our refuge and our mighty fortress in the time of trouble. These next three are especially for our pastor as we get behind him and encourage him and support him into this new era that God is bringing Bridgeway Community Church to this new season we are in. Turning water to wine was the first of Jesus' many miraculous signs. God has already performed miracles through you. I am a living witness to some of them. I proclaim that as God's chosen vessel and servant, he shall perform many more and even greater miraculous signs through you, the new apostle David Anderson. I decree and declare that you, apostle, shall not put your faith in old religious systems or old traditions that cannot contain the new kingdom dynamics, that cannot contain 
the new thing that God is doing at Bridgeway Community Church. You shall keep your faith and your trust in Jesus. I proclaim that God is elevating you to a new level and improved spirit of faith. Therefore, you shall put your faith in God like never before. Fear is not your portion. Your portion is the mighty movement of the Holy Spirit of God and moving in you and through you. And Jesus is the author and finisher of your faith. These last three go into the end time prophecy. I decree and declare that Bridgeway shall be a church where God reveals his glory in these last of the end time days, bringing healing and deliverance, performing miracle signs and wonders through those vessels and servants whom he has chosen. I decree and declare that Bridgeway shall be a church where the people and the believers commit to fasting and praying as a sign of mourning as we eagerly wait for our bridegroom Jesus to return for his bride, the church. Like the wine on the wedding day in John 2, I proclaim that the Spirit of God has saved the best until now, these last of the church age days. As the days draw nearer for the rapture, I perceive that the Holy Spirit of God shall come forth like the rushing wind and fire of Acts 2 and like he did in the latter rains of the 30-hour revival at Bridgeway Community Church. In these last of the end time days, he shall show up and show out before we are caught up in the air to meet with our Savior. Let the church prepare to meet her, new, to meet her bridegroom in the name of Jesus. And one final one, one final one, number 10 for completion. I declare that for those of you who are feeling attacked by the enemy, who are feeling like you are being crushed and feeling the crushing, receive the rhema word from God. He said, what the enemy meant for bad, I use for good. It is in the crushing that I make new wine. Receive your new wine in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bridgeway Community Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Bridgeway, visit our website at bridgeway.cc. To watch all of our sermons, visit our YouTube channel and make sure you subscribe while you're there. If you'd like to download sermon notes, just click the link in the description. If you'd like to take part in our 30th anniversary challenge, go to bridgeway.cc 30. That's bridgeway.cc T-H-I-R-T-Y. Thanks again for listening and have a great week.